Welcome to the CCFR Radio Podcast, your source for news, updates, and stories from the CCFR. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 141 of the CCFR Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Yeltaka. Thanks for joining me again today on uh, on the on the show. We've got a ton of information and updates and news as usual. I say that every time, but uh, it's not, it doesn't seem to be letting up. So anyway, uh, we're going to be having Wilson on. Uh, we've got a few things to cover with her, but I think the most important thing is that we are in the midst of our hearings, of our trial, CCFR versus Canada, the largest uh, firearm-related lawsuit on behalf of gun owners in Canadian history going on as we speak. And Tracy's been live tweeting uh, the entire time, thumbs just just a blur, uh, bringing all of it, uh, almost a, a book of what is happening every single day in the trial to you. So if you're not following her on Twitter, you should do that. And uh, we are going to make all that text from these tweets available as documents on the CCFR website. We'll talk more about that when we have Tracy on. I've got a bunch of things to go um, over with you during the monologue. Um, but uh, before we get started, let's talk about some of the businesses that are supporting the CCFR radio podcast. A big thank you to our friends over at the Saskatchewan Rivers chapter of Safari Club International. They do a lot of great work over there, including supporting the CCFR. So make sure you check them out at saskriversci.com. That's saskriversci.com and Vortex, the force of optics. We'd like to thank our friends over at Vortex Canada for continuing to support the podcast and providing great products. You can check all that out at vortexcanada.net. That's vortexcanada.net. And to our friends over at CTOMS. CTOMS Academy provides life-saving training in trauma care and human performance. Perfect for outdoor enthusiasts, for hunters, for shooters. You can check them out at ctomsinc.com. That's ctomsinc.com. All right, we're back. So uh, first thing I wanted to tell you is um, as I was editing our, I just finished uh, producing our television show, um, uh, episode 15 for CCFR Radio on the Air for Wild TV. And I realized when I dragged all my clips into the um, the timeline in the editing package that I'm wearing the same shirt as I as I wore in the last podcast and the last TV show. And you know what? I'm just going to keep wearing it. Um, so anyway, <laughs> that's how crazy our lives over at the CCFR um, are, right? We got a lot going on, as you know. We're in hearings uh, for this uh, for this uh, this lawsuit that we spent three years fighting, um, and uh, and we got a lot of other things going on, which I'll get into right now. So I just want to share this interesting uh, little tidbit with you. If you remember, if you've been following uh, firearm advocacy in Canada since the early '90s, right? It's been a long time. The prevailing, not 100, but the prevailing approach was: don't talk to people about guns, don't engage, don't oppose anybody, don't get into arguments. Right? Don't stand up to anti-gun groups. Don't stand up to the government. You know, we'll vote once every four years. Uh, but other than that, don't 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 make any sounds. They'll just forget we exist and they'll leave us alone. Right? And as we know, nothing could have been further from the truth. It didn't work. And in fact, all the work that groups and individuals had done in governments and you know conservative governments did along that whole thirty years, including everything the CCFR has done in the last seven and a half years, has led us to the point where we're just like we're fighting to keep bolt actions, some bolt actions from going pro-hip, right? Like that's where we are. So that approach did not work, right? Our, our entire existence has been under liberal rule, right? A liberal majority and then two more 
two more, three more, <laughs> liberal minority governments, right? So anyway, the approach that we took was that didn't work. Now we're gonna take the approach that a lot of other groups, sometimes ethnic groups or religious groups take, which is you sling an insult at our people, you defame us or slander us, you spread false information and there's a response coming. And the response is gonna be harsh because we want you to think twice next time you're gonna spread false information because it's wrong. It's morally wrong to do that. To slander people who haven't really done anything to deserve it is morally wrong. So there will be a response. Now that's really delicate work, as you guys well know, right? And especially when you are the gun lobby, right? We don't, the, the media are not allies. We don't get fair dealing with media. We don't get fair dealing with the liberal government. We don't get fair dealing with the NDP, right, as a political party. And of course, we get atrocious treatment from anti-gun groups. When in fact, and I truly believe this, I keep, I'm not saying it because I want to say it. I truly believe that we all really want the same thing. There's some details there, right? We all want Canada to be safer. We all want an end to firearm-related violence. We don't want, none of us want criminals getting easy access to firearms. Like we want the same things, right? I think where we differ is just the gun lobby and, and me and Tracy and everyone at the CCFR and our members and our supporters. We just don't think that you need to punish and destroy licensed gun owners who haven't done anything to deserve it. We think that there's that it has to be acknowledged that Canada has a thriving, positive, essential gun culture that has existed long before Canada was a country. And those people need to be respected because they haven't done anything to deserve the way that you're treating them, right? And so the CCFR stands up against that in every possible way, whether we're suing people, whether we're suing the government, whether we savage people on social media, whether we attack other people's credibility when they're as in a response to attack. So if you look at right when the right when we first create our social media accounts, every time that we're doing any of these things, it's in response to an attack. We are too busy and it doesn't help us one bit to sit here and randomly attack people to try to start a fight. That's just not what we do, right? It's always in response. In fact, um, I just participated with a journalist in a story that just got put out about Pauli Sesuvian, how they're angels without wings and they've been fighting the evil gun law, all terrible people, licensed gun owners, just awful, awful, horrible people that do nothing but attack victims for no reason at all, right? And that's the story. Um, I provided him with all the proof of what I'm saying right now is demonstrably true. But, you know, the, the media inherently will not tell our story the way that needs to be told, and it never will. It's just the way it is, right? So anyway, and I accept that. those That's our battle space. So I don't dwell over that. We just have to fight our fight. So anyway, the the response always, the go-to response from these gun groups, they'll spread false information, they'll slander, attack, attack, attack constantly. But their go-to is always, if you respond, you're attacking victims. It's never like what we said was untrue and they're holding us accountable. Or we attack somebody and we're getting attacked back. It's always, you're attacking victims. And it's, it's an outrageously immoral thing to do because to claim you're a victim of attacks when you're not really a victim of that, when you are actually provoked that attack, like this is really terrible, right? But anyway, this is what we experience all the time. And if you notice, if you've followed the CCFR for a long time, we leave a lot of space. Like we will intentionally stop even interacting with these anti-gun groups and the government for a length of time just to see if they truly don't like this vitriolic you know, back and forth that they keep complaining that they that they that they hate. We do that all the time. If you remember, um, we offered the spin docs for protection from guns, 
And yeah, I called them spin doctors. Uh, but the Doctors for Protection from Guns, we offered $15,000 of member money, of your money that I am responsible to you for, to spend wisely advocating on your behalf, that we would take that $15,000 and give it as a donation to the big brothers and sisters of Toronto to help you know, alleviate the gang issues in racialized and disadvantaged communities for 90 minutes for them to sit down with us and for us to have a mature, honest discussion about this issue and find out, which was my hope, find out that we really wanted the same thing, that we really weren't enemies at all. We just are different people that bring different expertise and we have the ability to respect the expertise that they're bringing and they would have to respect ours. And we would record it and provide them with a full recording and so that we would use it and they would use it so that if we acted like, you know, like, like clowns or whatever, they would have all the proof, right? There's your gun lobby. Oh my God, they said they want to have an honest discussion. You know, look at how they acted. Like, there you go. No, what did we get in response to that offer? If you remember, and it was ground rules and everything. And we created a whole, it was a whole project. We got a slew of insults, if you remember. It's pinned to my Twitter feed, right? That's how these people act. So it's just, it's interesting. Like the truth is very different than what you would see in the media all the time. So anyway, we left them a lot of space after Christmas, after the big fiasco, if you remember. And what, and what did, and Polly in particular, what did they do? They kept slinging it. I even commented on them. I'm like, you're still slinging it. I thought you wanted to take the temperature. I thought you didn't like this back and forth, this vitriolic back and forth, toxic stuff. Nope, they kept going. So anyway, recently we left them some more room again. We, and I do this strategically. I'm like, okay, just don't say anything. Let them just see if they'll keep slinging it. And of course they do. And, and get this, they're always talking about attacking victims. And here they are attacking victims themselves, right? Because they don't agree. So um, the Mass Casualty Commission came out with their final report, right? And of course they ignored all of the evidence, irrefutable physical evidence, right? That refutes the, the, the liberal line about gun control. And then all the stuff that was easily, um, easily disproved, right? Easily discredited, they took as fact. And then in their recommendations, they basically had a carbon copy of Bill C-21 and um, the, um, the amendments, G-4 and G-46, the amendments that were so soundly rejected by First Nations groups, by gun owners, by average Canadians, that the Liberal Party, who have formed a, 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 a government, who have the votes to push anything they want through, through the uh, C-21 committee, actually withdrew those amendments. That's how bad they were. And where did they go? They got put right inside the, um, the final report from the Mass Casualty Commission, which basically destroyed the credibility of three years and 30, $35 million worth of, of, uh, of inquiry. Like, you got to think about that for a second, right? And these people wonder why faith in institutions is plummeting. And then they blame like propaganda or right-wing whatever or social media for it. It's like they do it to themselves. So anyway, so the majority, almost all of the families of the victims in the Nova Scotia mass shooting had one representative, and that was Michael Scott from Patterson Law. And Michael Scott is an articulate, thoughtful organized individual, because I was part of that inquiry as well as a participant, and I saw a lot of his stuff. And he's a reasonable guy, and he is the representative of those families. He is those families, basically, right, in the inquiry. And so he, he saw the final report, and he's like, this is ridiculous. You ignored all of the actual evidence, put all of the anti-gun propaganda in there, and this is an insult and a waste of money and an insult to the families. Like, you... 
this is just this is the Liberal Party platform and their Bill C-21 and their amendments. So anyway, he does an interview with CBC. This is a direct quote from it here. Check this out. While we're making those symbolic gestures and banning this rifle or that pistol or this magazine, what we're not doing is having a serious conversation about how these sorts of weapons are getting into the hands of actual criminals, said Michael Scott, a lawyer with Patterson Law, which represents most of, which means almost all, of the 22 families of the victims. It's a distraction issue that I think uh, that everyone should be concerned with, and at some point we have to demand more than symbolic gestures. So the families... It's not Michael Scott as an individual. The families are disappointed. In fact, if you remember, I've had family members, more than a few, contact me directly on my cell phone, asking me to stop the government from taking away everyone's guns because of what happened, because it wasn't about gun control. And of course, I can't do that, but I can give evidence and I can act in good faith and I can continue to go through the process with them and be their representative as well. And you know what? We were all ignored. So anyway... So what does Polly say? Polly doesn't like this because it looks bad on them, right? The truth is a real enemy for these people. So what do they tweet? How do they approach this? They tweet the story, of course, lawyer for half of the NS families, like try to diminish him immediately, right? Borrows from the gun lobby playbook. So he didn't have an opinion, right, that they didn't like. They They weren't like, well, we disagree, with this lawyer, we don't think he's acting in good faith or he's acting on the evidence or whatever. No, they have to attack him and try to destroy his credibility, try to destroy his reputation. They can't just simply disagree with him. Anyway, by acting as if all mass shootings are like port pick which involved three smuggled firearms and ignores the Ruger Mini-14. Okay, so they have to attack this guy and by extension, they're attacking the families, right? This is, this is an opinion coming from the families. So they attack victims and it's like, okay, if they do it, right? And it's okay if they hurt Michael Scott's career or hurt Patterson Law for it. They don't care who they hurt. It's just really amazing, right? So if you think, I think the reason why I'm telling you this story is just another example, just yet, yet another day when it comes to anti-gun groups in Canada. If you think for a second they want the vitriolic stuff to stop, they don't. This is the only way they know how to do business is to sling insults, Stand there, wait till somebody slings it back at them, and then claim that that person is attacking victims in order to destroy their reputations and their credibility. Like, it is just, yeah, anyway, it's just abhorrent behavior for anybody, much less someone that the the liberal government, the sitting government of a G7 nation is listening to, or I guess propping up or using to fulfill their own agenda. So anyway, I, I talked long enough about that. Sorry for the long diatribe, but man, it's just like if, if you're involved in this stuff, you see it every single day, right? If you're not involved, then you're you're picking up in the, in mid story, and you're like, oh, you know, um, I don't know who's telling the truth here. It's like, yeah, well, if you look a little deeper, you'll find it. It's pretty crazy. Anyway, all right. Next thing, um, I don't know if Tracy and I talked about. It. I don't think we did because we do the podcast <laughs> and we do the and we do the TV show at the same time. And man, it's a long day. Um, but in case we uh, talk about it again, just tolerate it. The AGM is coming up. Um, it's the weekend of June 10th, I believe, 7, 7 8, 9, 10 or something, something like that. Um, go to the go to uh, firearmrights.ca or ccfr.ca, find that. Make sure you show up at this. I don't know if there'll ever be one like this again, and it's a, it's a really great, inexpensive opportunity to come out and hang out with all your gun friends and have a great time. We got the band, we got, we're having a party, shuttles, nobody has to drink and drive big dinner. We're feeding you coffee and, and pastries during the day at the conference. Like you're getting all your food almost 
and all the and all of the entertainment and all the interaction for like under 200 bucks for the whole weekend. So it's not expensive and it's a great opportunity and who knows when we'll be able to do this again cuz it's a little weird out there, obviously. Uh, so don't miss it. Get your tickets as soon as possible. Go to firearmrights.ca and uh, and pick those up when, as soon as you can. Um, National Range Day. I don't know if we mentioned this again. This might be a little bit of repeat later, so just forgive me if uh, if it is. National Range Day is coming up June third this year. If you know th the way that you can help is make sure that you're talking to your uh, range executive, your club executive, and find out if you're holding a ladies' range day or an open house. The most effective way to get people to understand why Canadians need to continue to own firearms and understand us, understand the culture and how great it is and why we're, we protect it so, you know, so vociferously is by taking somebody shooting. That's how I got into it. That's how a lot of us got into it. Take somebody shooting. That's how you do it. National Range Day. Uh, make sure that uh, you either volunteer or make sure that your executive has got something going on on that day. Uh, and last but not least, there's an election coming up in Alberta. The Alberta government, so Tyler Shandro um, and the UPC appointed uh, Terry Bryant, who's been a fantastic as CFO of Alberta, who's been a fantastic uh, CFO, both in making sure that the system works as it's supposed to and making sure that, the, that people that haven't done anything wrong don't get ensnared into the system and get destroyed like licensed gun owners. Um, so I just want to mention there's an election coming up. I'm going to give you these dates. All right, so you've got uh, advanced voting happens in Alberta Tuesday, May 23rd through Saturday, May 27th. You can go to elections.ab.ca to find these dates. And of course, election day is Monday, May the 29th. Now, this is your time to show up. If you're in Alberta, the government needs your help, okay? You only have one shot during an election provincially and during an election federally to really make the biggest difference you possibly can. So don't miss it. Don't be like, oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to go to the polls. Go to the polls, take your family, take your friends, okay? Especially Tyler Shandro, because he is um, uh, he created an OIC, an order and council, to implement the, um, the uh, Alberta Firearms Act early. And to do things for gun owners is incredibly politically risky, okay? What's really easy for politicians is just go with the flow. Go with gun control, just talk the talk. Even if nothing changes, even if nobody's safer, whatever, that'll be a winner in urban centers, right? Especially in Edmonton right? In downtown Calgary, right? And, and they, they go after those votes. They don't care what happens to you. Well, Tyler Shandro does. And he took that, he took those political risks to help, um, to help protect gun owners from the federal government. So anyway, if you're in his riding or any riding, just on election day, you got to show up and bring people with you. Make sure that you got the government that's going to, that's going to respect your rights. Are they perfect? No, because no government is perfect. They got to ride a lot of lines, but this is the best of that you're going to get. So make sure you show up on election day. All right. I've been talking for way too long. I think 18 minutes. So thank you for, for hanging in there. We're going to bring Tracy Wilson in right now. All right, via Skype, we've got Tracy Wilson from the CCFR. Wilson! <laughs> Giltaka, how's it going? It's going all right. How are you? Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm here in Ottawa attending court, but yeah. I'm doing well. Yeah, it's uh, it's a crazy time. You're in court um, every day, all day long. Yep. I'm holding down the fort and doing the uh, the other stuff, and uh, yes, we're all you. yeah, we're all busy as beavers over here. That's for sure. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, we got a lot of stuff to get through, so we will get started. First thing, some really big news: um, the CCFR has received the largest donation that we've ever gotten in the history of the CCFR. 
Wow. Yeah. Let's hear about it. That donation is $100,000. And that oh comes to us God. from the Calgary and District Target Shoot- Shooters Shooting Association. Uh, yeah. Over just outside of Calgary. And um, a really great group. I've been kind of working with them a little bit here and there for the past few months. Uh, and... Yeah, they they just came up with the most generous donation we could uh, we could ever uh, hope for. So a big thank you to all the members and the executive over at the CDTSA uh, for all of their help. We're going to put it to good use uh, because with the hearings uh, that you're going to talk to us about uh, our court dates, uh, we're looking at some pretty substantial bills again. So yeah, it'll definitely come in handy. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, trial, this hearing here in Ottawa, eight days in Ottawa is going to cost quite a bit of money. So that a big, huge, massive lump sum like that is incredibly helpful, super generous. And every member there is just just doing their part for sure. Yeah. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much, guys. All right. And now speaking of Calgary, you and I in person attended the Calgary Easter Gun Show uh, that was put on by the Alberta Arms and Cartridge Collector Association. Yeah, the AACCA. Yeah, that was a great show. So it was our first time you and I both attending the Calgary Easter Gun Show on behalf of the CCFR. We worked with an amazing team out there. We had a ton of fun. That is one busy show. And it's different. It's not like a trade show like Toronto Sportsman Show. It's like a legitimate old school gun show, right? Tables in a and set up in a in a big room. Tons of guns and cool memorabilia and just all kinds of fun stuff to look at. And it was an absolute blast. We got to meet a lot of people. Yeah, it was uh, it was mm-hmm. great. And then, of course, uh, there was another surprise for us at, uh, at the end of the show, which is uh, the AACCA uh, came up with a $10,000 donation to the CCFR. And, and it was a surprise. We didn't know that was coming. So, again, yeah. another huge thank you to all of these organizations and individuals that are really helping us. Um, you know, do the big things that we've always wanted to do uh, in our community for advocacy, but never really kind of could get there. Yeah, well, this is how you do big league stuff is with this big help, right? So it's it's impossible without it. And that was just a really great surprise at the end of the show and just shows that the whole community is really pulling together. So yeah, yeah super meaningful. Well, and the key is that you actually do something with that money. So yes, um, you know. And, and I think that most people know uh, that we come out with a lot of projects and we work really hard uh, to make sure that we're doing everything humanly possible that we can do under a hostile government, uh, a government that's hostile to gun owners. So uh, couldn't do it without yep. you. Thanks so much. Um, be, now, obviously, today we're going to we're going to talk. We're going to have a big court update, right? A, a trial yes. update. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to mention uh, Field Officer of the Month. Uh, this month is Wayne Galley, our good friend from Atlantic Canada. Wayne Galley, he's the guy who got the very first CCFR tattoo, I think. Mm-hmm. We met him when we went out to Halifax to the Conservative Policy Convention. So, yeah, awesome guy. Yeah, Wayne's a good guy. He's been around forever, um, always been in the CCFR's corner. Really appreciate all the work that Wayne does. And, um, you know, yeah, just just can't thank him enough. Um, we've got, you know, we, we were out at the Calgary, uh, Easter gun show. Let me just go back to that for a second. We had a huge team. I think we had like 12 or 14 people at the booth. Oh yeah. Yeah. It would, and just, just a lot of really great people. And I, I, my wife was there with, uh, with us. Mm-hmm. I brought her with me and, uh, 
you know, I was I was saying to her um, one night after the show when we were um, back at the hotel, I was like, you know, just I, I look at the at, at the volunteers, the different people that come to help us, and I'm just like, these people took their whole weekend off to help yeah. us at the CCFR booth. You know, spread the word, get more members. You know, sell our swag while we were there, but accumulate funding so that we can do the projects that we do. And I just, yeah, I just can't tell you how thankful I am for people taking their own time. And then they believe in something enough to to take their own weekend and and really help the organization do the things that we do. So, yeah, one hundred percent. All right, so <laughs> big court update. Uh, yeah. So why don't I let you talk about the, uh, the 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 court dates since you're there every day? So why don't we start with kind of an intro, kind of wh- where are we at now? Okay, so this entire hearing started on Tuesday, April 11th. So Tuesday of last week, when you're watching this. And we are currently at time of taping on day six. So I know a lot of people have been following along and um, there is a link on the website uh, that you can register for the webcast. And a lot of people are asking, are you going to put out video clips? Well, here's the thing. You can't. It is actually a federal offense to record and broadcast federal court. So unfortunately, no, there won't be a replay of it. So the best we could do is live tweeting. That's really the only um, venue that we have where we can sort of, you know, tell the story of what's going on in court. So I've been there live tweeting like a a mad woman. Um, It's been really interesting. I know the first five days, a lot of people were super hopeful and, you know, hey, it's going so well. And I kept reminding them that you need to keep in mind that the first five days we strictly heard from our side, right? our legal team, the legal teams that belong to the other cases. So, you know, our side of the debate. Um, Of course, today was the first day where we got to hear some of the federal government's lawyers, the attorney general's team, um, sort of make their case against us, right? So, yeah, definitely a little more difficult to sit through and really hard to live tweet. Although I noticed I'm getting a lot more engagement because people are upset, right? They're reading it and they're retweeting it and they're like, what is this? But uh, yeah, we got a little bit more pain to suffer through. They will go again tomorrow morning for the first half of the day. And then there'll be some rebuttals from the teams. And then basically the judge is going to take all of that. She's had most of the um, the evidence from the case management for about a year now. Um, and she's going to take all of that stuff, all that evidence, the cross-examinations, you know, the, the, the stuff people have put in, the case law, all the stuff, take it back, sit for months. I mean, it could be anywhere from two to six months. We have no way of really knowing. And then come up with probably a very complex decision, right? There's a lot going on there that she's got to straighten out. But that's kind of where we're at. So um, I recognize that most of our members and supporters, everybody works during the day. So who can have the ability to sit and listen to court for eight hours a day other than me, right? So I I understand that. Um, We're going to be hosting the really long text from my tweets. We'll break it down by days and and subject so you know which parts you can listen to. But we're going to host all of that on the website. Uh, We're working on assembling it. And of course, we're not quite done court, so there'll be more to it. But we'll get that up for everybody. But it will be an accounting. It'll be us telling the story of your, our federal court challenge against the gun bans. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's pretty important because if you think about it, 
it's like uh, we can wait. Like we'll be waiting a while to get the transcripts. And then yep. for someone to read through the transcripts, it's going to be tens of thousands of words. Oh, it'll be way bigger than my tweets. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So sure this pigs. is actually a really cool thing. And and thank you for doing that. You know, the CCFR is is paying you to be there every day, basically. And, yeah. and, and with your two thumbs, just, you know, um, create the actual story of the trial itself. Yeah. And so it's funny because you, you were talking about going there. And, and live tweeting so people could know what's going on because that's the only way for them to know. And at the same time, you're doing such a, um, a comprehensive job. You know, like I was looking through it and I'm like, this is, this is literally someone telling the story of this entire trial. So as you said, what we're going to do is we're going to capture all of that text and put it in a web story or a series of yeah. web stories, one for each day, because it's, it's quite a bit of text. It's probably 3,000 words of reading. per day. Yeah. Right. If not more. So, yeah, it'll be pretty long. So anyway, we've captured that. And if you want to sit back over the weekend and read the entire story day by day of the trial, you'll have an opportunity to probably do that. I'd say some sometime next week, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> uh, we are working on getting that together and we're trying to put it in like the best format possible. Again, it's it's me interpreting what the lawyers are saying. I take all their lawyer talk and jargon. And then try and put it into concise, relatable, realistic statements. So it, it should be an interesting read. And I don't think it'll be a difficult read. Not nearly as, as difficult as reading the actual transcripts would be. Um, but of course, we'll get those out as soon as we can as well. But I know a lot of people are just chomping at the bit to find out what's going on, what's happening. And everyone says, can you give me a quick summary? Well, no, it's, yeah, it's eight hours of talking every single day. There's no such thing as a quick summary. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I think um, your live tweets are the only thing, thing that exists to find out yes. what's going on there. Um, we haven't seen any media posting anything about it. Um, I don't, I don't know why. Maybe they're just not interested. There's bigger things going on in Canada, I guess. Um, but it's weird. They're still writing stories about guns and about gun bans, yep. but they're yeah, not there at the biggest trial in Canadian history on behalf of gun owners. So <clears throat> I think that's intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, uh, and, and I'll mention one other thing that you told me is that the <laughs> attorney general was sitting there with their laptop open watching your live tweets. Yeah, so the the main lawyer, the head lawyer for, well, it's the attorney general's legal team on behalf of the government of Canada, right? But the main guy, he's sitting up at the front of the, the government side of the courtroom uh, with their massive legal team. And yeah, he's got his laptop open and I'm sitting, you know, several rows behind him and I can see my, my tweet, uh, like my Twitter account on his laptop. So they're definitely watching to see what I'm saying, but um, I'm trying to keep the trying to keep it straight and not really be reflective of my own personal commentary in there. A couple little yeah. emojis here and there, maybe an eye roll, but other than that, it's pretty straight up, um, you know, statements. So yeah, it's it's funny to watch them watch me. So there was there's a lot of highlights, and I think yeah, it it would almost be counterproductive to try to pull a few out of thousands and thousands of words that you've written so far. But the one was interesting about how Solomon Friedman was talking about why the protection in uh, Section 117 of the Criminal Code says that the government cannot, it's a constraint on the government's power, cannot prohibit firearms that are reasonable for hunting and target shooting. Um, yeah. And he represented that as 
it was a bargain. It was government saying, we respect you citizens, and we're going to constrain ourselves from just creating sweeping bans because apparently you're concerned about that. We keep calling it a conspiracy theory, right? Because <laughs> who would ever think, you know, who would ever even imagine that we would ban a bunch of guns for our own reasons? But anyway, so Solomon Friedman called it a bargain at the time. You guys, you know, comply. You you accept, you know, the what we've created, the Firearms Act, the rest of that stuff. But here, and our part of it is we're going to constrain ourselves. We will not ban your long guns. Yeah, and I often tell a similar story. I always call it like the social contract between gun owners and the government where, you know, they slap all this, you know, piles and piles of regulation on top of us, all these rules and, you know, everything in the name of safety. And we comply with it and we follow it. And it's sort of that social contract. We'll do all this stuff and you should leave us alone, right? So Solomon told the story in his uh, summary and he spoke about it. And he said, you know, it's like a bargain between gun owners and the government that they'll follow the rules. They do all of that and the government should respect them and respect uh, Section 117. So today the attorney general's lawyer or legal team uh, got to speak to that. And the head lawyer, McKinnon, he gets up and he says, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Friedman made remarks towards a bargain. Well, there's no bargain. There's no deal with gun owners. And it just, you know, for the most part, I got my head down and I'm just tweeting away. But I couldn't help but look up and sort of my mouth hung open like, you know, it's just. They, you people get nothing. It doesn't matter if you follow the laws. We'll do whatever we want and you'll just take it. Like that's how it felt to me. And it was so deeply offensive when we're talking about, you know, taking property that we've owned safely and without issue for decades. We've done nothing to warrant this attack and him just scoffing at the idea that we thought there was some kind of deal or bargain with the government that will follow your stuff and you should leave us alone, yeah, right? You have no rights. You have no, you have no stake. You have no standing here. We're the government. We can do whatever we want when we want for whatever reason we want. Don't think that you're nothing but just an animal that we will cage up or throw away or whatever. Like just yeah. that, that, yeah. that attitude, you know, it's interesting. And it's like, there's a lot of talk right now and I don't want, I don't, I don't want to go too far sideways here. But there's just so much talk uh, right now about threats to democracy. You know, oh, it's a threat to democracy. You know, of course, the liberals are the biggest, you know, purveyors of that thing. And it's like, oh, you, you know, there was this, as you know, there's a story where, of course, the CBC are now labeled on Twitter as government funded, which they clearly are. And, and you know what? They it's are. no big deal. <laughs> you know, it's like it's no big deal. They are government funded. And we've all known that for a long time. And then Justin Trudeau is running around like, this is a threat to democracy, how a billionaire is labeled. It's like, it's just a label showing who, who funds this media outlet. And that, they consider that a threat to, to democracy, but yet something like that is not a threat to democracy because when you're talking about the social contract, when people don't believe that the government has any legitimacy anymore or that it can't behave itself, it can't constrain itself, they're gonna, they're gonna stop complying. And yeah. non-compliance is really bad because when when people get to a point where they're like these these rules these laws are so unreasonable and so self-serving to the people that that are holding the you know that are claiming the monopoly of force that I can't follow them any I do I no longer recognize this government as legitimate that's when things start falling apart and it's weird because you have all kinds of anti-gun groups I I said I wouldn't go sideways but I am all kinds of anti-gun groups and and the liberals and the NDP they're like all about the government just 
just imposing its will by force on everybody at any time. Like you have, you know, you have nothing to say about it. And it's like the gun lobby. They're like, wait a second, we're trying to preserve order here. <laughs> we're, you know, and I guess it's up to us. I know to preserve order and constrain government. It's just, it's just wild, right? Because the liberals and, and Democrats used to be anti-big government, and it was like Republicans or conservatives that were all about government power, right? Law and order and government power. And it's like it's a role reversal. And here I find myself, and you find yourself, you know, fighting, you know, for for more freedom and for reasonable, you know, just to, to maintain the social contract. It's just amazing to me how how we're even having this conversation and 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 where we find ourselves. It's it's just it's quite quite amazing. Yeah, well, yeah, and it p makes you question your entire relationship with the government. You know, like for the most part, I think throughout history, Canadians in general have been able to trust the institutions that that govern us and are the framework of our society and. When people act like this, it's sort of, you know, it puts all of that into question for me. So, yeah, it was, you know, yeah, it was sort of upsetting. Not the words that he said, but the way he said it. Like, there is no bargain. There's no deal. Yeah. <laughs> Who even let you people in here, he's saying. Yeah. yeah. You guys, you guys yeah. should be glad that you're even getting an audience with the government right now. We're not just kicking your doors down. Yeah, bulldozing no, your house. It's an awful pile like just, of money to be there. Oh yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. And you know, it's like I said, it's just such a strange position. Like we're the gun lobby, and we're the ones like, oh, we can have a reasonable conversation about this, can't we? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're supposed to be the radicals. We're supposed to be the the extremists, right? Apparently. No. And we're the ones being like, don't you're gonna wreck everything if you keep acting like this. And they're like, we'll act however we want. I'm like, I I don't know what else to do. <laughs> I. That's kind of where we're at. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, okay, I'm going to have to tweet that now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know what else to do to stop you from damaging yourself or damaging our country. You know, I, I, I it's not my job to do that. I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah, it is weird. Anyway. But it, it sort of set the tone for exactly how this government views gun owners. Like, if there was any, any question, <laughs> it's pretty clear now. Yeah. So another um, thing that sort of runs in line of that is a lot of the arguments that, you know, the the, the pro-gun side, like the, the applicants, a lot of the arguments that we're making are about that Section 117, that and it, they're not supposed to ban guns that are reasonable for hunting or sports shooting. And McKinnon's sort of like, well, that's that's not the test here. The test isn't about how reasonable your guns are for hunting and, and sporting. You've got lots of evidence that they are, but that's not the test. The test is who who gets to decide. That's the test. And he says under the law, it's the governor in council, the GIC, gets to decide what's reasonable for hunting and sporting use. And it doesn't matter if that's, it doesn't matter if that's true or not. It's up to them to make that decision. And it makes you wonder, well, what if they just decide that guns in general are not reasonable for hunting or sporting? Like, I don't know. It's just this weird, this weird place that I find myself in that, you know, it's just a very cut and dry way of looking at things. And yeah, it makes me question everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I think they have it wrong and they're entitled so to too. be wrong in their, in their arguments. And uh, I guess at the end of the day, the true test is, is, is the, does the judge... Is the judge going to sit there and, and say, well, yeah, you know what? The government has rights to over override everything and to interpret everything to their own advantage based on what they want to do. And in this case, what they want to do politically. 
And that's yeah. okay because of, you know, and I'm like, we're getting into really deep stuff here, but the judiciary was supposed to be that hedge against the government, government yes. misbehavior. It's supposed to be, we had all the, we have all these estates and all these institutions to make sure that they're offsetting each other to make sure one doesn't misbehave. So I don't know. That's, that's really going to be the true test. The government can say whatever it wants in, in, you know, in the hearings, um, whether or not yeah. the judge finds that reasonable and, and upholds that kind of behavior is something entirely different. So anyway, um, yeah. so again, we could wait, as you said, two to six months. We've been saying probably three months average, we'd be waiting for a decision. I so hopefully so. Um, we're, we're going we're gonna to maintain our faith in the legal system in Canada, in the, in the judicial system, that, uh, that everyone will be treated fairly, that it's in the best interests of all Canadians, not just, not just us or the other side of this conversation. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll get a, um, uh, a reasonable decision. And, uh, and that's really what I'm waiting for. Yeah, me too. I, she's been asking some tough questions, some interesting questions, and of both sides. So that was sort of the indicator for me today. It's the first day where the government's been up speaking. And yeah, she it's not like she's just letting it slide and not answer, asking them anything. She's, she's on them. So yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, thanks for doing, uh, doing what you're doing, as we mentioned. Uh, in a few days, maybe next week sometime, all of your play-by-play, -play, the entire actual story, a written story, basically, of the entire trial that you could probably read, I don't know, in, in maybe two hours or something, an hour and a half, Yeah, yeah. will be up on firearmrights.ca. I don't know what form it's going to take, but we're going to somehow get it up there so that you guys can see exactly what's uh, what's happening, especially if you're sitting there wondering, like, what's going on at trial? There's your, yeah. there's your uh, uh, every man's transcript. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we covered everything. Thanks for the update and we will see you uh, in the next one. All right. We'll see you then. All right. That's going to do it for episode 141 of the CCFR radio podcast. Thanks everyone for hanging in with me uh, for all the, uh, all the, all the talking. Uh, thanks so much for all your support. I really appreciate it. Thanks again uh, for the folks over at the Calgary and district target shooters association for the, for the fantastic, um, um, donation, just super humbling. And uh, thanks to the members uh, of the uh, of the club as well and of the Alberta Arms and Cartridge Collector Association, uh, the organizers of the Calgary Easter Gun Show for the donation. We really appreciate it. I can't tell you just how much it means, uh, all the help that we're getting. And, you know, we're going to turn around and we're going to continue to smoke the government in the face every chance we get and to take people to task that, um, that want to hurt gun owners because it's just not right and we're not going to allow it. So we're going to do everything we possibly can. Anyway, quick reminder, don't forget the AGM. Quick reminder, don't forget to vote if you're in Alberta. You're, <laughs> this is your chance to make your voice heard in the biggest possible way, and you only get one chance every number of years. So don't miss it. Take everybody you know to the polls. It's coming up. So anyway, thanks for watching, everyone. Take care, and we'll see you next time. This is another episode of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Remember, if you don't stand up for your own ability to own and use firearms, who will? Join the CCFR or donate right now at www.firearmrights.ca.